This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host, Nabil Mahmood from Kona, Hawaii. This is your co-host, Philip Cobbins from Lock Claire, New Jersey. Hi, everyone. This is Shweta Saraf joining in from Dublin, California. Well, Shweta, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. You and I had the opportunity of meeting up at one of the events. I believe that was in San Jose, California last year. And it was, it was quite an interesting conversation, which basically resulted in me asking you to get onto our podcast. So could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? What role are you currently in and what do you do for a living? Awesome. So first of all, thank you for inviting me to this. Obviously, I've been following your work ever since we met and had that conversation at the San Jose conference. I'll come to your question. So currently, I'm a director of platform networking at Netflix, and I'm responsible for running the cloud networking teams, which power the largest streaming network. When I'm not working, I do a lot of creative writing and podcasts and you know, just enjoy creating content is how I feel. So, well, so you're just a natural, you know, public personality then. That's the perfect <laughs> fit, perfect story to tell. All right. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. So, I mean, from what I reckon, you grew up in India, right? Yeah. And by education, you are an electrical and an electronics engineer. Yes, that's so right. So I want to, I want to, I want to take it all the way back there. How you got started. How, how did Shweta, the young gal, Yes. Ended up picking electronic engineering and then electrical engineering thereafter. Yeah. So there's a there's a story behind that, right? So to just set the context, I was one of those young girls in India who had the American dream, right? And wanted to do my advanced degree in US. So I'm actually the first person in my entire extended family in my generation to do something like that. I mean, it's more common right now, but back then, obviously, there were all kind of, you know, barriers or notions which tells you not to do that or stay back. So for me, actually, I wanted to be a pilot or an aerospace engineer. I used to do aero modeling workshops on weekends. And I did, I did apply for IIT, which was India's premier institute. I got in, but I got civil. And I was like, I'm not doing civil engineering. And at that time, it was really important for me to choose a field where I can learn about the hardware because the whole world was moving towards software. And I was like, if I get my roots right, I can always sort of write software on top of the hardware. And that's the reason I kind of chose electronics and later on electrical engineering with focus on computer networking. And that's how it all got started. As a kid, were you interested in, in technology from an early age? Yeah, definitely. Like I think the earliest was I I was applying for the science exam, which was kind of a, a very prestigious thing. You have to learn physics, chemistry and biology. Bio was my least favorite subject, but that's one of the early days when even in school, I was like in fifth grade or something, but I was learning beyond what the school curriculum is. And that was driven by the passion for technology and in general, the STEM fields. Did that come so, from your parents? Were your parents in technology? Actually, no. My mom was a housewife. She was a housemaker. And my dad was in finance and accounting. 
So I I probably think it was the influence of some of my teachers, right? I really took deep interest into science subjects and they encouraged me. And we had started coding at fifth grade in our school. So it was like back to like basic and COBOL and all those languages. So it kind of took the seed there and just expanded by a lot of self-nurturing. How about your siblings? Any siblings, anybody in this yeah. industry by any chance? Yeah, yeah, I do have a brother, younger brother, and he's in Texas now. So he's also in technology. He does software applications for healthcare industry. Ooh, wow, that's amazing. We're going to get that in just a bit. Uh, one of the things that actually kind of struck me is the fact that the university that you wanted to go in took you in as uh, as a civil engineer. Did you apply for the civil engineering course or was it just like, hey, this is what you're going to do because you fit a certain KPIs or you have indicated that you've got a better yeah. in, a skill set for civil. Yeah. So IIT, which is like Indian Institute of Technology, is a very prestigious school. You have an exam, which you have to appear for, IIT JE, and then you get a stack rank in the country of billion people. So not everyone makes it. Less than 1%, like 0.5 or maybe 0.2% make it. Like, and then you get whatever they chose, right? Based on your rank. So, <laughs> I mean, like, that just totally baffles. Yeah, for for yeah. for people in in countries like America and UK, I mean, that's that's an idea that doesn't really exist. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, you so get what you are gearing for. Go, go that route, right? And that's what I did because it was like, but doing the most prestigious. I mean, doing civil at a prestigious university versus being fully funded by with scholarship in the second best university, like it was not a choice, you know, so that was too hard to make. So, yeah, that, I'm glad that I- makes sense. I think you made the right decision. Was yeah. that so controversial? Did... Was that controversial in your family? Like you got into this school that you wanted to get into, right? And even if it was civil, not civil, I mean, was it a, was it, no, was no, it a difficult conversation? supported me actually, because uh, even the location, this was a remote location compared to other IITs, right? And just to give you an idea, when I used to go for these classes to prepare for it, I would be like the only girl in that classroom with like 50 boys. So my parents, to begin with, they wanted to support me. But at the same time, they were not too sold or me going off to a school like, you know, in a different state, which was not too safe or whatever and pursue education. So they were happy I stayed back because the, the university I chose, I could stay home and commute. So so how how, how are things now in today's day and age? I mean, is it the same thing in India? whereby there aren't enough girls in the, the tech sector? I think it has changed a lot, right? We made a lot of progress. And if I just look at my extended family, there are a lot more like people coming here and it's a normal thing now. And it's not even about boy or girl. I think they have equal opportunities. Obviously, that's assuming that you have certain means and financial resources, right? There's still a large section of the country which will not have that. and there's still sort of lack of opportunities there. But on the flip side, I also think India is such an advanced country when it comes to technology now that there are many opportunities within the country as well. So there are people choosing to stay back and do something there. So. Well, it certainly opened up the economy on a global basis. Yeah. I mean, you don't, are you, I mean, the nomadic lifestyle, you can be anywhere that and, 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 and be whoever you want to. So that's absolutely phenomenal. All right. So tell us now, so you've graduated with a degree in electronics engineering from the University of Mumbai, and then you come to America. And why the heck did you choose University of South Carolina, California? Why not? Like the, the the engineering program was really good over there. That's one thing. 
And I was very particular about the major I wanted to do. And I also didn't want to go to a place where there's a lot of snow because this was like first time. I oh, there you go. That's the reason why MIT and Yale and everybody yeah, else yeah, yeah. Yeah. got jumped exactly. to the side. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I know it's a private school, it's expensive, but like I took a loan again, like it's not like I could fund it myself. So my parents helped me with that. But uh, yeah, overall, the engineering program, the Viterbi school is still really awesome. So it, it, and it, where it was there with that, was that a difficult decision also? I mean, it sounds like from, an, from fairly early on, you knew your trajectory. You knew you wanted to get to, to America. Was that something that was supported by, by the family or did you have to, some convincing to do too? It, it, to it took a lot of convincing. It took a lot of convincing. There were people who showed up at my farewell and wrote poems and like shared thoughts. I still have some of them. So. Like I said, I was the first one. I was the trailblazer. So it did take a lot of convincing, but I did clear out the path for rest of my cousins to <laughs> my brothers. Do they give you that credit? Do they give you that credit? I, Do they know? I think so. But like, I, I mean, I don't think I care for the credit. It's just like, okay. you know, ability to give back. But well, I do think people bring it up once in a while because they remember how it how things used to be and now how things are right well thank goodness it worked out otherwise it would have been a cautionary tale yeah i mean honestly my plan was go get a degree work for three four years and come back like that's what i told them but you know how it goes like then i met my husband so i just ended up staying and then i was like okay i think it's safe to say i'm going to live here so i i mean i'm sure everyone's seen the movies like southern california i mean come on so yeah. it's, it's not Everybody. to be, it's not to be. Yeah, I've always been in California, you know, all my years in the U.S. So I, I really think I, I love it here. So. so Shweta, I mean, it really does sound like the Mayflower experience of you actually leaving India and the poems being read and the farewell of like, oh, go do conquer the world. Yes. And, and I don't think people that live and that have not had the opportunity to travel much can actually even phantom the idea what that means. Could you just expand on on that journey? You know, yeah. convincing the family that uh, you, 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 for starters, you couldn't move, you know, a few hundred miles away because of a major cultural difference. And yeah. then you moved thousands of miles away to a country that you had never been to before. And yeah. the, a country that's like, I mean, of course, very welcoming, but totally on the opposite spectrum right. of the culture and the values. So yeah. could you, could you expand on that? What does yeah. it mean to people that, that move from areas like India and other countries? Sure. And, and why would you want to move to America? Uh, I mean, today's America probably has a different answer, but <laughs> it was like the land of teams and opportunities, right? So I'll, I'll give you some more color and I'll bring out some of the stories that I still remember so vividly. So I think the first thing was self-awareness, right? Like knowing I have something, I can change the world. And for me, it was like, I need to acquire these skill sets to go do that, right? Which to me translated to advanced degree because I had such a strong conviction in myself. Like one of the hardship was I had to go to the bank with my dad and like, you know, literally tell them like, this is important and like they need collateral, right? So my dad was like putting our family home as a collateral so that I could get the student loan. So I had to go there and have some hard conversations uh, with my dad and it wasn't easy uh, to say the least. And then for me personally, when I got on that plane, that was the first time I got onto that plane. And it was again interesting because uh, somehow my cousin worked in Air India. So I met with the pilot, they upgraded us to first class and then like they... That was it. In for <laughs> landing, you know, so... 
the first best experience of flying. So it, it, it just felt like it clicked. This was meant to be. And I truly appreciated that opportunity. But then the hardship started, right? Because now you go from being with your parents and not having to care about daily necessities like food and paying your rent and all that. And I had just enough money to cover for the first semester or like first month's expenses and things like that, right? So I knew I had to find an on-campus job. I knew I had to kind of do well in my uh, courses. And then I knew I had to like learn basic cooking and things like that. So it, it was those six months were really hard. And it was like I had to go to different departments to try to get a job. And finally, I ended up getting a job in a cafe. And the job they offered me was you got up prep and cut meat and I was like I respectfully declined because I am a vegetarian I grew up vegetarian you know give me any other job and then they were like there's just one other job where you can sweep the floors and I was like I'll happily do it you know that's what I would do so yeah I mean it was a lot of those kind of memories but I do remember through all of that there were two things that stand out like it was the self-awareness and knowing where I'm going knowing what I want and then having the boldness to overcome hardships, right? Because it wasn't easy, but it required some amount of boldness where it, it was almost like, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? And kind of forcing myself to be uncomfortable and then kind of go through it. That was like the only way. I think there's the, the, the level of confidence that it takes to do it. Even for like, you know, a kid here going to college in a different state, much less changing countries is... It's difficult to put into into words. And, you know, what, what we say sometimes about the college experience is that the coursework is valuable, of course, but the experience is really where where the lessons come from. And do you feel that same thing about, I mean, obviously it was an advanced degree you were getting ready and I'm sure the coursework was very valuable as well. But do you think you got as much from the kind of ancillary just survival skills yeah. that you learned? Yeah. And, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that that kind of set me up for the path I had here and the successes or the failures I had here, right? And people just see the tip of the iceberg. They just assume people landed the way they did, but it's like a lot of work underneath, right? So, I mean, I, I do feel everybody has that unique experience, but in my case, I was shaping it a little bit to whatever extent I could control the situation. But when I couldn't, like I was also fast to learn and pivot. So that was really like life skills, as you said, right? That kind of experience. And one example of that is I started interning in summer at Cisco in the Bay Area. And I felt like I'm learning so much on the job. I'm learning how does production system work? How does networking protocols work? How do we satisfy customer requests? So I made a decision to continue my internship and they wanted me to continue as well. So, but that required me to travel back and forth between LA and San Jose. So, and that was the trade-off, right? But I mean, I made it work because I felt I'm learning a lot more on the job, but at the same time, I don't want to finish my degree. I don't want to just like go to a job, right? So well, you, can't, you could, couldn't tell your mom and dad that you took a loan and you didn't come through. <laughs> Wait, that exactly, was probably on your exactly. shoulders as well. I know. And then obviously the internship would convert provided you graduate and things like that. So like yeah. that was the trade-off. But I, I had this algorithm of if the cost of travel goes above this much, then I don't fly. I take a Greyhound, which is yet another story because it's not safe in downtown LA. So 
had to do a lot of these trade-offs and like make sure I'm prepared for the worst or like, you know, deal with I'm it. I'm just getting goosebumps listening to the story. I mean, it's just amazing how we just take things as granted. I mean, everything seems to be granted and 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 entitled could be another word as well that we just take it. It's there for us and everyone's going to get it. And it's amazing to actually hear and be in a position to share stories like yours that give, at least I get goosebumps. I just, just there, listen there, there to it. People, I mean, how, there, are people, there are people that, you know, say that a lot of their success comes from being at the right place at the right time, the happenstance. And there are people you hear their stories and you're like, you put yourself in the right place at the right time. And it takes a level of you yeah. say self-awareness, you say boldness, the probably stubbornness, confidence, you know, it, it just, it's, it, it, it is an incredible story, but you, 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 it's, it's, it's force of will more than any specific skill set. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to be the best chef in New York City, you probably could have done that also because you have that force of will. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, you wouldn't touch any. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, if you wanted to be a first Indian fighter pilot, you could have done that as well, based based on what you've told I, us. I would well. like to think so, right? Like, why limit yourself? You only live once. And I, I do think a lot about like what kind of legacy you want to leave. And it's not so much about the fame or credit, but it's more like w- what does it mean for people who love you or how you want the world to be left in a better shape than how you found it when you came in. Those are kind of my big motivators. But like when you when you say this, right, like this the story and like how I remember it vividly till now, the thing I do worry about too is my son is born here. Will he understand the hustle or like how will he gain some of those experiences? Oh, it's going to be totally bloody entitled. I mean, what can I do as a parent to minimize <laughs> that? Because I mean, yes, he's growing up with bunch of kids in Bay Area, right? And going to best schools and things like that. So it's difficult. I, I try, I tell it to my kids all the time, you know, my, 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 my kids, like five, four years old, my daughter had like a view out of her window of Central Liberty. I'm like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you've peaked. You've peaked yeah. and you're only four. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. yeah. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, of course, I think a part of this whole, you know, uh, endeavor that we have got is to be able to share these stories, the trials and tribulations, the journeys of people like yourself. So people can put, you know, just just, uh, some sort of, gosh, scale that they they can understand how easy they've got it, how many opportunities they've got, and that the fact that they should be doing the right thing. So walk us through now. Everyone has an inner sweater that they need to channel, right? So you can't can't give up on yourself because all you have to do is yourself. Yeah, I mean, no. you you have to cheer for yourself because if you don't, then who else will, right? Like, yeah, you yeah. you to support yourself. So, so now electronic engineering, electrical engineering, and then you're working for a company that's involved in networking, mm-hmm. and then that's the part that you take. I mean, okay, so that's still kind of like I feel that there is a story behind that. Besides the fact that you interned there, yeah. why did you end up leaving the electronics and or the electrical element into the networking market segment? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because even as I was doing coursework, there are two ways I could go, like signal processing and stay close to like math and the hardware, or I could have gone towards computer networking and code. And that's what I chose, right? So that that's when that bifurcation happened. But the real story was even before internship, like I was ready to go for an internship in Chicago to run like teenagers boot camp and do the networking. Like that's the one I had said yes to. But then the Cisco, I mean, the networking one came through. 
and I literally had to tell them, you have 24 hours to decide whether you want me to intern at your team or not, because otherwise I'm flying to Chicago, you know? So it was really hard for me because I was in turn. I was, this is my first job. You don't tell your boss that you have 24 hours. You're already making ultimatums. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She's already telling you what to do. Well, I, I guess I had to tell them because that was true, right? Like I've already committed to some other place. I've said, yes, I've booked my tickets. So if you want me to change my mind, you have to tell me. You want me, if you don't want me to freeze my tail off, give me yeah. the job. Yeah, so that's how they came back and I got the job because otherwise they were like, oh, you have to fly in, you have to interview. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like, I love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Just just make it happen. Don't wait. Yes, yes. It awesome. happen. I mean, I was humble about it. It wasn't like arrogance or anything, but it was more like this is the reality of the situation, you know, and this is what I need you to do if, if this has to work. So it, 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 I got good response and that's why... Because of that, I kept working with that team for three semesters when I was interning, traveling back and forth. And then at that point, it was obvious for me that, okay, I'm going to just take a full-time job here after I'm done with it. Well, yeah. I mean, you created demand and then you ended up staying there for almost nine years, if not more. Yes, yes. And probably too long, but like I at least was doing different things every two, three years. So I felt like I still learned a lot and got a lot of opportunities to do different things. Wonderful. So currently, so after that, you went to a couple of different organizations. I see you did a spell with the co-location provider as well. Uh, so tell us and walk us through that journey. I mean, uh, the point that we're trying to really get across is that we are the only industry that's the fastest growing industry, globally speaking. We're the only industry that's got sub-verticals within it. So you can pick a market segment but you can learn and get into other spaces as your interest changes and or as you grow. So yes. you're a perfect example of that, electronics to electrical to networking, right? So walk us through the rest of that journey and other elements of the industry that you've been able to influence yeah. and touch. Yeah, like if I kind of summarize it, right? Like even within the networking, there's so many layers, like literally and also in a way of abstracting it. We're going to have an we're going to have an OSI conversation. No, I know. I was not trying to <laughs> like, the like, got the layer one, the layer two, the layer yeah. three. So that that was one of the interesting things. Like somehow all the roles I did at Cisco, I was kind of doing more of layer four to seven. And it was Linux based networking versus, you know, writing the iOS software because somehow those were the teams I gravitated towards. So wireless and SDN controllers and things like that, right? So when I did all of that, the last thing I was doing was working in an internal startup at Cisco, or that was the concept at least. And I, I enjoyed it. And I was like, hey, if this is how it feels, what does working at a real startup feels? You know, that's what I was thinking. And that's when I got an opportunity to go to DigitalOcean, where it was all about how you build the cloud and not just like build the cloud, but like operate the cloud as well, right? So that was a big learning curve in terms of how do you make that mindset shift where back then it was still appliances and vendors, the, the cloud was slowly coming in. And then it was a good timing where DigitalOcean was a small provider compared to the giants, but was still making amazing growth and impact in, in that niche. So that's where I feel like I, I got uh, all my experience around how can I apply what I know, but build things for the cloud and scale them and make them operate in different regions. And that did require me to also understand computer and storage very 
closely because networking would be the glue that holds them all together and more about even data centers, right? Because DigitalOcean had their own data centers. So every time there's a new one standing up, the networking teams would be involved. So to me, it felt like really expanding my understanding of the infra world. And again, the background in hardware made me appreciate how the innovation in software spiked so much in the last two decades. But then I feel like there are interesting things that are happening at the hardware level even now. So yeah, that that was kind of the next step. And I mean, from there on, I went on to another startup called Packet. And that's where it was truly like... I was like that before the acquisition happened, right? So went there and it was like one of the early places where we were doing bare metal as a cloud, right? Like, and then the rest of the cloud providers started providing hardware, bare metal as a service. So that was really interesting because it was literally like things like liquid cooling and open 19 standards. So a strong hardware focus in how you show up and how you drive efficiency and density, power and so on. But then also a whole range of stacks. So it wasn't just networking. I really broadened everything I was doing because it was the whole life cycle of when a user signs in and creates an account all the way to how do they provision a server? What do they do with networking? And then how do they get a bill at the end of the day? So that, that, that was like, while I did a lot of depth work, now it was also like a lot of breadth work is how I felt. Let me just see if I get this straight. You joined them in, in January 2020 and then they immediately sold to Equinix. So clearly you're the reason why they were able to monetize that thing. So I know Zach tries to take all the credit for it, you know, obviously it's the part <laughs> yeah. that Jacob also, but really you're sweat that, that, that put them over the top. <laughs> I I don't know about that, but yeah, I think the timing was great. I, I mean, obviously I didn't know this was going to happen, but what I was asking them is, okay, you want to double the engineering team. So it's obvious you're going to raise money or something is going to happen. So I kind of knew that I'm coming there to scale teams up because that's what I did. But yeah, it was, it went by so fast and then pandemic. So like it, it, it was sort of another great story. Well, and of course, during the pandemic, they get the, the a pretty decent exit. All right. So yeah, now you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's a B, what's a M? Doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what what's your engagement with Forbes Technology Council? What do you do for them? Or oh, with them? Well, at one point uh, I was invited to join them and uh, like I had like a minor in science journalism. So that's why whenever I would get an opportunity, I would blog or write articles and things like that. So I did join them and I was active for a while where I was writing quotes or opinions on technical articles or writing my own articles. But then soon enough, like we started our parenthood journey, like I was having a kid. So that's when all of that took a little bit of a backseat. But basically my association with them was Mm. it's an invite only technical council to share opinions and industry knowledge and I bought lead. Did it for a bit. Wonderful. So, I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal journey. You know, I think hopefully it inspires another young girl in India somewhere to potentially follow follow your path. Knowing what you know today, and I've gone through what girl, not just a young girl in India, a young girl that's sitting and listening to it. Mm-hmm. That's right next to me. I mean, here, look, this is what I know. 
Thanks, Mara. There you go. That's Dave. Nice to meet you. You love it. You love it. So, so what, what, what would you tell the younger Shweta, knowing what you know today? I, I, I would say to her that well done, you made us proud, but also don't be afraid to fail. You know, like uh, just live your life to the fullest. Like, don't let failure hold you back. Like, I, I think that was a bit of a learning for me, right? Like to build that growth mindset, being such a, being someone who had always had like high expectations coming from family or teachers. Like to me, it was like, I didn't really know how to fail and learn from it, right? So that's something I had to teach myself. So first few times it felt really hard and it was like, cannot accept this happened and it's a funny story the first thing I ever failed in my life on that level was like a DMV test like I couldn't pass it (laughs) (laughs) it was like okay you know you need to kind of take it seriously or whatever so I mean anyways that was a minor example but obviously I've had many other failures and to me it was the whole process of accepting failure learning from it growing from it and rising Nabil say it what does fail stand for First attempt in learning. Yes, exactly. The first thing you do always will not be good, right? But when you do it hundred times, probably that's when you succeed. So absolutely. Uh, just just out of curiosity, with with that, with that element of failure, were you ever afraid of making decisions or getting into new things? Did that hold you back? The fear no, of failure. I mean, I pretty much think of living my life with no regrets. So obviously, that doesn't mean I don't understand what I could be doing better. I always appreciate feedback but that didn't stop me because I I mean some of the things I've done in my life is because I've pushed myself to do them and I know that's not normal for everyone like some people don't like rate of change sometimes or they don't thrive in a changing environment but I'm opposite of that and sometimes it's like that sense of agency right like when a change is happening either you can sit back and let the change happen to you or you can have that sense of agency and figure out what what can you control in the situation and what is the stuff that you have to let go and just be okay with it. So, Or you can be the change. Yeah, exactly. You be the change maker, right? So that, that's how I feel about it. In any of these, in any of these experiences you had, this is, I know you've mentioned that, you know, it was, a, it was unique for, for, for a girl to be in, in the engineering programs in, in India when you initially had enrolled in university, but there's also, you know, even to this day, you know, there's, there's, there's a lack of, of, of women and, you know, technology roles. Obviously, we've made some progress. Did you ever find that being a, a woman in technology role required you to a certain extent to, to make yourself more pronounced in order to be taken seriously? Was that a real conscious thing or, or was it more along the lines of yeah. You know, just, yeah? I mean, I think yes and no right because we made so much progress but we've also stepped back in many ways when it comes to things but my perspective always has been that I'm a leader who happens to be a woman I don't like to bring gender as part of a conversation in any of the topics but it is important because again for the fact that when we don't have to have that conversation we have succeeded right but it's still a conversation point and I remember companies saying by 2022 we'll hit this target or we'll do this and it has come and gone and you know we we, don't, we haven't seen all of that happen yet but where I stand on that is yes there are many challenges I don't know if they are all attributed to being a certain gender or 
having said, I mean, definitely some of them are. But the, the biggest thing I would say is maybe it translated to proving myself again and again and again when I felt like I didn't have to, you know. So that was sort of the summary of how it affected me. But like for most of my career, I've been able to walk into rooms and be like the leader who I am without having a bias or a feeling that I'm not taken seriously because of my gender. I didn't have that. I think that's the attitude that's most imperative to actually, you know, push through the next generation as well. Well, Shweta, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. This has been absolutely splendid. And it's amazing. We had a great conversation. We hit it off really well when I met you in person. But, uh, you know, our platform's slightly different. We get to know the real you. Yes. And that's 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 what we want to bring forth to our audience. Yeah. So thank you very much for really opening up and sharing. I really enjoyed talking to both of you. And I'm looking forward to meeting in Austin for the data center world. It will be there. All right. Look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.